Hello, hello, and welcome back to today's podcast. So this is going to be a really interesting one for not only you, the listener, but for me as well, because I am doing something that I've never really done before, which is kind of like a Q&A style, but a mixture of sales objections and ultra-personal questions. And the reason why I'm doing this is because, one, it seems super fun, but two, during this time of where we're at in the world, and also just in general, sales objections are going to be popping up even more so, especially if you are selling something right now that is more group or passive base, like if you're doing a lower ticket product or if you're doing a course or membership or group program where there's not really many sales calls, this is something that you're going to have to pop up that'll pop up with your ideal client internally, like in their mind that they might not say to you. Or if you do sales calls, this might also pop up on the actual sales call. So I'm going to dive into the first half of being all around mainly sales objections, why it's popping up, what it usually means, and like how to start to address it. And the second half is going to be questions that I've found that are apparently very personal, very deep, and that'll help you kind of get a little bit more, um, I guess, notice about me. I feel like I do so much around business or on strategy and all these kind of like fun marketing things, but I want to also give you the chance to, if you want to, at the end of those six questions, then come and listen to what I believe about philosophy and life. What's the craziest thing I've ever done? What are uh, deal breakers? Like all these kind of fun things will be at the second half of that. So that's there for everyone. Uh, Without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to the Clients and Conversions Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Clem, and I've helped fellow entrepreneurs and business owners just like you harness the power of social media to grow your audience by the hundreds, 2x their launch sales, and have client leads banging down the door to book a call with you. And I'm the first to say that hustling and searching hours online for your next client or student is not the vital ingredient to your success or even your happiness. This podcast is for driven entrepreneurs, from coaches to course creators and everything in between, to access practical and actionable tactics on everything from how to get clients with Instagram advertising, and really unlock the keys from sales and social media to get growth with the simplest tools possible, while keeping it just long enough to get you through your walk, drive, or workout. So stick with us for this episode and the ones to come so you can get more clients and sales in less time. Now let's get into it. Okay, so the way that I've set this up is for the first six questions or first six, I guess, points are going to be the sales objections and the last part are going to be actual questions about me. So let's go into the objections. And I'm putting this disclaimer out there that your person might have all of these objections. They might only have one or two, might have none. They might have only uh, like a random one. This is not going to be for every single person, but this is a majority of what I've seen from helping people with ads to selling things myself. These are the main objections that pop up that you need to kind of address um, in a way that's going to help them to see the light of sorts. First one is going to be, I don't have enough time. Now, you'll hear this a lot from a mixture of those who are maybe a little bit farther ahead in their business to those who have um, nine to five jobs to moms, I can kind of like range from all of them. But that's one of the biggest ones I see is either time or money based. And the funny thing is, yeah, to some degree, they are around time and money. But their actual inside of their brains has nothing to do with that. And here's what I mean. So when they say I don't have enough time, it means that I don't see this enough as a priority or a pain to buy it right now or 
on the opposite side is I don't know if I'm going to have enough time to commit to it because I don't fully trust myself in going through the program. Those are the two normal thought processes that they have during this. And I'm going to go over for each one of these. Uh, the main thoughts they're probably having, like the underlying cause, some of the emotions they might be having, and then going into the actual like addressing them. So those are the thoughts that usually pop up. If they're someone who doesn't see it as priority, know that you can always look at that and say, okay, if they don't see it as a priority, it means either I haven't done a good enough job relating it to their main problem right now and really deepening that for them, like ingraining that resonating with them so that they see it. Or if it's on the other side where it's the, what was it called? <laughs> Something, oh yeah, the, they don't know if they can trust themselves. That's going to be some actual reframing that you need to do with them, whether it be in your content, your videos, that kind of stuff, to help show them people who've had similar thought processes like them have a, a success or yourself go through it and what helped you. Because all of these objections you, the reason why they're called objections is because they're objecting internally or externally if you're on a sales call. Doesn't mean they're set in stone. Doesn't mean that they're permanent. What it means is that it's up to you to show them and help them reframe. And you'll see how I said show, not tell. Because if you just tell someone, yeah, if you make this a commitment, then, you know, you'll get the result. Or if it's like, yeah, you know, if you do three to five hours a week, you'll be good by this time. That's kind of telling them because it's not really hitting them. It's not resonating with them. It's not creating that aha moment versus showing them. And showing them comes from a lot of story base. So if you have any type of testimonials for this, building a story arc around that to help them see it is so helpful, as well as showing them in ways of what actually has worked and what hasn't worked for you in your own business. Because again, a lot of us are going to be selling to those who are maybe a little bit underneath us. For me, it's a little bit different because those who do done for you and done with you and sometimes DIY, um, they're different types of audiences. But for most of you who are listening to this, you're probably a coach or mentor or something where others and that's kind of what this comes into. If you're kind of going for someone who's a little bit higher above you, let's say you're wanting to do something for them or whatnot, that's going to be showing them more of your testimonial based or more reframes in that way versus more about you. Again, this is why I do a lot of this upfront with a lot of my clients, especially if they're doing any type of like launching or um, selling of any kind for ads. This is so important because you have to address these inside of your copy, not only on your landing page and on your emails, but actually in the ad copy itself and layering it in that way. So it's not just like, you might say you might not have enough time and here's why it's not going to be good for you or here's why it's going to be good for you. That's not the way to do it. You have, there's actually a flow to it that allows them to see it and resonate with it versus just you telling them. So I feel like it went a lot into this first one, but I wanted to give a lot of those pieces in there first because it's so important that you realize it's not just like putting these in an FAQ section. It's about actually going forward in your emails, in your copy, in these type of areas to again, show them versus tell. The second one is it's too expensive, which I say is AKA they don't see the value. Now, when it comes to this and by expensive, you can insert really any money-based thing in here. It's too expensive. I don't know if I have the money. Anything around that. Now, granted, there are going to be times in which that that is truly valid. If they have $2 in their 
like checking account, then that's different. But for most people, they use it's expensive or money as kind of a way to say, hey, I don't know if this is actually really going to help me. So why would I invest? They might not actually say that out loud, but that's kind of like part of it, uh, especially for those who are targeting the the ones who are a little bit farther ahead in their business. Let's say you're targeting those who probably are at least over the year to mark. They've probably invested in other programs. They're going to be a little more weary of joining in on other programs just or other products, whatever it might be is your thing. And it's not because what you have isn't valuable. It's because they truly either don't see the value or are really worried they're not going to get some type of ROI. And again, every person who's listening to this, you don't have to be a business coach to show ROI. That can be in so many different areas. I've had clients of mine who their mixture of some are business, some are money, some are mindset, some are singer, like teaching singers. Like there's so many variations in there. It doesn't always uh, health coaches. Like it, there's so many variations that ROI does not always mean the actual money. It can mean return on investment. Is their life with their relationships better now? Is their time management better now? You can show that in so many different ways. It's not just monetarily. But I want to put that out there first. <laughs> so the thought process they're going to be having with it's too expensive or anything money-based is that they don't really see the value. They don't see why it's important for them right now to buy. If they did, they would have bought already. And I say that with like the most amount of love that I can because I know that a lot of us are, well, they have this factor, this factor, this factor. But if they really saw the value in it, they wouldn't really have that many problems money-wise that they're speaking about or thinking of. So when it, this pops up a lot, and this is actually really good for those who don't do this um, already, if you sell anything product-wise or program-wise, after every launch you do or every like push you do for your product, always send out a form to your email list or possibly even to your social media followers of sorts, asking them why they didn't buy so you can see what's the main themes, what's the main objections that fall into this category or these like six categories. Fun fact. So when you see it's too expensive, the first thing that I want to say is realize it's going to be okay that if not every person sees the value because some people it's not going to be the actual right time for them, but for a majority of them, it might be the right time, but they don't see the value. And that comes from you saying, hey, here's the ROI of my product in time, in money, in relationships, in health, in sexuality, in like a multitude of ways and really articulating that and really showing that, like tangifying it as best you can, that will really help show the value versus doing a lot of like the value stacks, which de definitely can help from a like conversion standpoint, but a majority of them need to be shown the value laid out in those ROI points to really see that. And again, it's easier said than done. I know because a lot of my clients who I work with, when we go through this, it takes a little bit of time because you can't just say, not most people have like, every single client has a thousand ROI and money and life and business. Like there's usually for a lot of people, it's going to be, hey, they were able to get back two hours of their day. So if we were able to tangify that, do that by monthly, by yearly, and then make that a percentage and show that. Not every person is going to need percentages of sorts to be shown why it's a value, but those who are thinking about money are either going to be a lot in their emotions or a lot in their head. And the head piece comes from those percentages. The emotions piece, 
is something that is a little more complicated that I can't really go into too much here just because I'm trying to go through these a little bit quicker than possible, like quicker than normal, but realize that that's something you need to start with if that's something that you're seeing pop up a lot. Okay, third is I don't know if it's right for me. I get it. I totally do when it comes to this piece because so many people have this objection. These next two objections that I'm going to be talking about are two of the most popular ones that I have seen and that I know have been seen from other um, coaches, course creators, you name it. I don't know if it's right for me really means that I don't know if you can help someone like me get results. And you'll see that in the second question as well. But it's because they don't know if them as photographers, if you have like a more general program, is this photographer who's a wife and has like three kids, can you help her versus just making money for like anybody? Because again, people right now are really looking for specific things. They really need that tangible piece. And you need to help show them through, again, this is where testimonials come in great. If you have people you work with in niches, really build out their story for them and use that in your marketing. That's going to help them see if it's right for them. Even if it's not, for example, if you're like a health coach and you help people like lose weight or whatnot, maybe they're a mom, but instead of just targeting, like saying that you're looking for all moms, maybe that majority of who you're working with has an under eating or overeating issue. So if you were to go into their story and say they're a mom, but also they really struggle with overeating, here's how and here's why and here's the thoughts they had and this is how they changed it. They don't have to be a mom to resonate with if they overeat. So even though it's, I don't know if it's right for me, for some of you, it might be literally having to show like this mom did it and this photographer did it. But for a lot of you, you could just show what's the common theme that is between all of these people that they can resonate with and make that your piece, make that showing them how it's right for them. If it's more of like a marketing piece, then it's probably going to go more like occupation type things. I hope that was helpful there. Mainly what I'm saying is I don't know if it's right for me means they need to be shown that there's other people like them inside of your program and like really build that story out. Something that I actually use with a lot of my clients for launch ads, retargeting ads, like anything around money basically is what we make sure we talk about here. And again, if you want to learn more about that or possibly work together in either mentor or done for you way, I want to also extend the call for danielleclem.com slash calls, my free strategy call for anyone out there who's really wondering if ads can work right for them. So putting that there. <laughs> okay. So fourth, how do I know this will work for me? Again, this is going to tie a little bit with the, how do I know? Uh, oh, I don't know if it's right for me because it's still going to be asking the question of, you know, do I know people in here who are like me, but also do I know anyone in here who's like me who's gotten the results that I want? So that is really huge. It's even more like it's testimonial based, but it's really also emotion based. These people are thinking, I don't know if this will work for me. I'm worried that I'm going to be another statistic. I'm worried that I'm going to go into this course or program and not really get the results I'm wanting. Anything around there is going to be something that's huge for you to dive into because it's a big worry for, especially for women, it's a really big worry emotionally and like mentally, like, am I going to just have this be another course that's going to be laying on the side that I don't know if I'm going to like get to? Or is it going to be actually something that you can help them see through 
some type of transition, some type of reframe that'll allow them to see, okay, I hear you, I get it. We don't want to always have these programs on the back of our mat, like back of our whatever. <laughs> Here's how we're able to help you. And again, showing, not telling. It's always about helping them to build more emotion around your positive emotion <laughs> around your product because that's what's going to really help them buy, especially if they're women. So with that, a lot of women will buy from emo- uh, buy from emotion and then ration with logic. So that's kind of why those percentages that I talked about for the ROI, that helps with their logic. But the main reason why they buy at the end of the day is, is the problem that you're articulating currently their highest problem? And are they emotionally attached to the problem or your pain? If so, that's going to be a lot easier to convert them. Okay. What if X happens? So by X, you can insert anything here. Like, what if I get laid off my job? What if I, uh... I don't know. What if I don't like what's coming in here? Basically, these people are wanting a guarantee. They're wanting to know that I don't trust myself enough. I don't trust this program enough. I need some type of like collateral, some type of thing that's going to ensure that I'm going to either be okay or get something out of it. And that's why you see a lot of those 30-day guarantees. You see a lot of, um, I don't know, you see a lot of variations. I've seen where people will like pay you money at some points. Like there's a lot of variations of that. But it's because there's people who are like that, who wonder, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get there. I don't know if this is going to be right for me. I don't know if I'm going to be able to be at the same place or be in a better place in six months, especially for those who have like really long payment plans, probably anything longer than like four to six months. This is where it's going to pop into because they're always worried about like, what if my credit card fails or what if, what if I can't pay? What if something like goes wrong? You need to help them see, put in some type of fail safe for them that still feels in line with you to help them get there, but also help them realize like, if you can constantly try and worry or uncertain in the next 12 months, then so is your business or so is your relationship or so is your health. And that's why it's the time to to do this program now versus ABC. Again, I'm going very general because I want to help majority of you who are on here. um, But that's kind of like how I'd start it. And the way that you can kind of like choose guarantees depends on the type of program, the price of the program, and your ICA. Um, but that is something to go into. If you want me to talk more about guarantees, like how to set them up, uh, feel free to DM me at I am Danielle Clem on Instagram. Um, if I get enough interest, then I'll definitely do a podcast episode about it. But I'm curious to see if anyone wants to learn more about that. <laughs> so last sales objection. I don't know if it's the right time. Now, you see how I said right time versus enough time? It's because it's really huge for you to know the difference. I don't have enough time means that they don't know if it's the right priority for them in the sense of like, um, they haven't made a priority in their life versus I don't know if it's the right time means your product, again, saying this for love, your product might not be 100% of a um, need for them right now or they might be in a place where they're thinking about two or three other programs and trying to like outweigh that because because I don't know if I have enough time means I don't trust myself versus I don't know if it's the right time means I don't know if I really trust this. If you have like a strategy-based or process-based program, I don't know if it's the right time is a really big sales objection there because that's going to take a lot more mental space more time for them 
they're going to be wondering if I don't know if it's the right time. And that's kind of where actually going into, okay, I hear you. I know that there's probably three other programs on your mind. And here's why Susie chose this program. Here's why she chose it over this. Or here's why you can't delay. Because, again, for a lot of programs, there needs to be some sort of immediacy. Again, I don't always believe in, like, urgency and, like, there's only one hour left. If it doesn't feel right to you to not do that, you could do spots, you could do um, bonuses. But I think a lot of this comes down to, I don't know if it's the right time, is is this program actually going to be helpful for me against the other strategies that I can do? Like, for example, I see this happen a lot with, like, Pinterest courses or Instagram courses or ad courses, I say, um, is I don't know if it's the right time because they're like, I don't know if I'm the right time in my business for it. I don't know if I'm at the place in my journey or life to get there. That's a huge one for this. So that's kind of like the, the top six that I see come up for most people. I went over a little bit of like kind of how to start going around addressing it, but obviously it's not going to be as in-depth as it could be if you were a client or even like in a one-to-one basis. So if you have any questions, let me know, but this is going to help you get on the right foot. So now we've gone over the sales objections. Now we're going to go into the ultra personal questions. So usually for this, I would probably ask someone on the other line who's like sharing the questions to me, but because we're in this state of the world (laughs) currently, um, I'll just read them for myself. Kind of feel really weird, but it's fine. So the first question is, what's your philosophy in life? Again, I went pretty meta with some of these, and then some are more specific, so stay tuned. So when I say philosophy in life, I think of like, how do I, what's my North Star, what's my compass of sorts? And I always believe like, at the end of the day, you really can't be just being a good human. And for me, that is being nice when I, when I can be, which is, obviously most of the time, but um, opening the door for people if I can, even though I'm a girl, I seem to do that a lot. <laughs> Funny enough, fact, I have a story of one of my old coworkers. I opened the door for him and then paid for him because we were, um, it was like, I was paying him back for like taking the shift of mine years ago. And he was like, this feels really weird. It feels like the opposites have like switched. Um, and it's just funny because that's something that I do, but I believe at the end of the day, being a good human and truly going out in the world and trying to give someone something that might help lighten their day or lighten their load a little bit is the best thing you can do. And this will help like filter into the next question. But for me, it's always been, okay, what can I do to help others if I can? If nothing else, what can I do to really help myself without obviously injuring or harming others? Like, I don't think I've, that I can think of, have done anything really illegal (laughs) that I can think of. Um, But it's mainly coming from just that place of, I really want to make sure that if I'm going throughout life, that it's because I'm here to really improve myself and try and help those who I can help along the way, whether they be strangers, friends, family, whatever it might be. So that's kind of like my philosophy in life. (laughs) The next question is, are you religious or spiritual? So... I grew up primarily Christian, um, both my parents, both my mom, dad, and stepmom, um, when they were married, uh, were all Christian. And I, at this point in my life, I really feel a mixture of 
spiritual and agnostic. I believe there is a higher power. I believe that there is something out there that is like helping us along our way. I don't traditionally identify with that many other um, religions or anything in there at this time. Again, that can always change. I'm on my own journey as well when it comes to what I believe and what I don't believe. Uh, but I, I do believe there is some type of higher power out there. Is it um, the Western God or Eastern Allah, whatever that might be? Uh, I don't know personally, but that's kind of something that I have be believed at all times for myself. And spiritual wise, yeah, I've, especially in business, like you really can't deny that you have to go through some type of up level, both mentally, emotionally, and like somewhat spiritually. And for me, it's been a lot. I've slowly started believing a little bit more around the universe kind of talk, the there can be other guides out there or like angels type of stuff. But again, I haven't fully built my value system around that yet or have a definite response. So that's kind of why I'm not going to be able to give a super specific answer. But that's kind of where I stand right now in this exact moment when it comes to are you religious or spiritual? Okay, next question is, what's one thing you would like to change about yourself? I really like putting this in here because I don't share enough around personal stuff around myself, especially when it comes to like what I believe or what I, um, what I would like to up level that's not just business wise or whatever it might be. And I think the biggest thing for me is like, what's one thing I like to change about myself? And I think for me specifically, what has been calling a lot has been um, needing to embrace more of like my inner child or inner um, feminine of sorts. Like even though I try my best to watch TV or these type of things, they don't really do justice to, for a lot of years when I, when I first grew up, um, especially when my my mom passed and then my stepmom passed, I kind of had to shut off a lot of my childhood. Um, not because there's anything bad about that, but because when you experience loss, you kind of grow through a lot of things. And one of the ways that I was shown by others around me when they were grieving was they kind of like didn't show their emotions. So for a long time, I didn't really either until emotions built up and then you like have this crazy breakdown. <laughs> for those who know who are there as well, I you get it. But I've really come into now knowing that I don't want that for myself. It's a lot on your system, but even more so is I want to be able to be comfortable when it comes to um, doing, just embracing more of that child or kiddish side of myself that I don't have to do behind closed doors. I don't feel like it needs to be like built up or earned in some way. Okay, so... Uh, this question's interesting. Is what you're doing now what you've always wanted to do, to do growing up? I will say I had no idea what I wanted to do when I was growing up. The occupations that I remember are... I remember I wanted to be a judge at some point. I thought that'd be really interesting. I think I even went to, like, a, some type of workshop to, like, learn about that too when I was younger. Um, I think I wanted to be a lawyer at some point. And then I went to business... Or I went to school for HR and business, but mainly HR which is ironic because I don't think I could have ever done HR for that long. <laughs> you basically just, um, at least the way that it was shown to me, was like you're enforcing policies, you're enforcing these things, and like you're just kind of following versus leading. 
I'm gonna leave that there because I don't want to go and I don't want to offend any HR people. But for me, I never saw advertising or online business as a thing. I mean, I was born in the 90s, so even though the internet was coming up, it was not anything like this. So I can easily say no, but I do know that I always wanted to help people and I could never see myself like under fluorescent lights and pencil skirts working nine to five. That was never something that I could do. So in that way, yes, but in the like actual physical sense of like what I do, no. (laughs) Okay, next one is what is one thing that people always misunderstand about you? So, I don't really think there's too many that I can think of when it comes to, like, what people misunderstand because most people don't tell me, I guess. But in, like, the way that people don't tell you probably about the things that you're doing or things they don't like about you, I don't know. Um, What I find, what I used to get a lot really triggered by, which, again, is that misunderstanding piece, was a mixture of those who uh, didn't realize how much effort I put into like my business or my accomplishments or um, kind of like dismissed it or dismissed I guess for me it was a lot of like they must understood how much time energy and work something like accomplishments took for me that was hard again as an Enneagram 3 it makes sense um, that'd be a huge piece that I feel like a lot of people didn't understand as well as when I grew up um, I was actually what's it called? I was grown up by two entrepreneurs. So my dad and my mom were both uh, real estate agents. My dad's a broker. um, And then my mom was a real estate agent. And I kind of grew up with some idea that you can do, or at least try to do things that are going to make you happy. Obviously don't like go off and run into the circus, but like, do you (laughs) to some degree still make money though. Uh, So I think part of that too that misunderstood is that people would look at me and think that I was always going to become a realtor or that I was going to just like follow in the footsteps and like that I didn't really earn to get here. Um, So I think that's a big misunderstanding too, but that also was just like me putting my own attachments onto it. Uh, After doing a lot of work on that internally, I could see that now. Okay, so these last two are really interesting to me. Uh, At least the last one is. I'm doing a bonus one. So, what is the craziest thing you've ever done and would you do it again? So, the craziest thing that I've ever done, gosh, I feel like I've lived a life, but I don't remember it. (laughs) So, I would say that the thing that pops up the most to me is craziest, more like spontaneous, I guess. So, when me and one of my past, like, um, boyfriends broke up years ago, I was like, you know what? I have friends in Disneyland. I live in Northern California. It's like a six-hour drive to Disneyland. Um, I think we broke up at like 7 or 8 p.m. And (laughs) by like like midnight, I had a ticket or two tickets to like go to Disneyland and like meet up with my friends and stay with them for two days to just like hang out in Disneyland as a newly single person for a couple days. And I think that was the most spontaneous thing I'd done because it was literally like planned within like 12 hours. Like I literally got the tickets, went to bed, and then like left at 7 a.m. Um, that's really interesting to me. Would I do it again? Hell yeah. <laughs> I love Disneyland, but also I just love the spontaneity of it. I think to me it was really interesting to go to because it really helped me just solidify like, yeah, I live my life. I can be independent. The person that I was with, we were only together for like... 
I don't know, five or six months. It wasn't anything crazy. But I think that was really helpful for me in solidifying that, yeah, I can do literally whatever I want. And then the last question is, what does or what is a relationship deal breaker for me? I'm going to do a relationship and a client relationship um, because I want to end this with semi-businessy. So what is a relationship deal breaker for me? I mean, physically, it's like, I don't really like smokers. I don't, I can't, I have a, like, a, um, my lungs could not handle someone else smoking. So I just could not do that. And I guess like as a person as well, I'm, they'd have to be good with, I guess, being open or believing in my business or like believing in myself. If you're someone who's like constantly waiting for the shoe to drop, I don't know if I could do that just because it's really hard for then me to like have to be always a positive one in the relationship. That'd be kind of hard. Um, I feel like, I feel like there's probably more. I just, those are the two that pop up right now. And then for client wise, client deal breaker, honestly, is those who aren't willing to do the work or don't believe in themselves. And again, I say this with love, but if you're not willing to do the work, then why are you having a business? And because we all go through periods of like unmotivation or uninspiration, but if you aren't able to like, if you show up and you're ready to do the work, then you're going to be successful no matter what, even if it takes longer or shorter than you think. Um, and then if you're not, if you don't believe in yourself, then you're not going to believe in your programs and your, the ideal clients won't believe in you and they won't buy. So those are like my two biggest things and you don't have to believe in yourself every single moment of every day but if you like a majority of your time believe in you and like believe in the success is inevitable you're gonna have a really good shot at actually being successful especially with someone like me on your side who's not only cheering you on but showing you the way through ads or through audience growth and so forth so this is probably one of my longest uh personal episodes to date or solo episodes to date but i thought it'd be really fun and i would love to hear if you guys like this type of format when it comes to like the sales objection stuff, but also the personal things. If you want me to add in more of those, we can definitely do that. Um, but I wanted to share this for those who are listening because I thought it'd be really interesting for you to hear, get some value out of the first piece, and then just learn more about me in the second piece. So if you have any questions during this around sales, sales objections or the personal questions, feel free to DM me at I'm Danielle Clem um, on Instagram or I guess Facebook. I feel like I'm not on Facebook that much, honestly. But just feel free to chat. I'm here to open with you guys through these questions and then also online as well. So if you have any questions, again, please feel free to let me know. And without further ado, I'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I am so excited that you were able to go through it and get some actionable tips out of it. For next steps, make sure you go to daniellecleum.com slash ad breakdown to get the complete ad breakdown around what one Insta ad did to help create 559 client leads and 20% sales increase in launch. Make sure to go ahead there to do that and DM me at I'm Danielle Clem to go in deeper to the conversation. And last but not least, make sure to leave a rating and review so that this podcast can get out to more amazing people like yourself.